Welcome to the Teacher As Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa Milner, a teacher who is painfully curious and very easily inspired. This podcast is ever-changing, and I hope with each season, you find episodes that speak to you in your work as an educator. This is the fourth season of the Teacher As, and it's exciting to see the growth in how many educators are listening. Episodes are released every other week. If you enjoy the Teacher As, please rate it on Apple Podcasts and leave a review. It helps the podcast reach more educators. Thanks for listening. My name is Milton Justice. I am a teacher of acting. I've also spent a life as a producer. So, and, and, and early on, I was an actor. But once I found teaching, I sort of began to believe that there's a, there's a thing, a misstatement, that those who can't do teach... I began to realize that those who can't teach do. And so uh, I was very, very fortunate. I, I had one of the iconic acting teachers, Stella Adler. She she taught, you know, Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro and me. And so <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So I'd won an Academy Award and I'd won an Emmy Award. For what? Explain what you won okay, them for. So, <laughs> So uh, the Emmy Award was for children's TV specials. And back in the day, 100 years ago, they used to have after-school specials. I loved those. I mean, we shot in like 10 days. And this one was so... And everybody would do them because it was only 10 days. And so the after-school special starred... Uh, the then totally and completely unknown 14-year-old Ben Affleck. Oh, my gosh. And playing his mother was Madeline Kahn. Oh, for the darling. <laughs> I know. And, I, I mean, it was. It was just this magical experience. And um, so, at any rate, so uh, that won an Emmy Award for Madeline, and I won an Emmy Award as well. And what was the story? Just a quick synopsis. The story was a kid that was trying to get a date for his mother. Ah, oh, wow. Uh, anyway, so that was the Emmy. And then the Oscar was for a documentary called Down and Out in America. And it was very unique. Uh, it was an idea Lee Grant had um, about doing a documentary on the homeless. And uh, we pitched it to HBO, where we had done two other documentaries. And uh, brilliant Sheila, who was in charge of documentaries, said, oh, Milton, uh, um, it, you know, it it takes almost a year to do a documentary by the time you finish it, it will no longer be a problem. No. Oh, oh. I, how, I how sweet. How sweet. Yeah. And so how optimistic. And she so she called about a year later and she said, ask Lee if she still wants to do that documentary. Uh, and so and that was a unique experience, mostly because uh, the New York Times review of the documentary basically said if the filmmakers of down and out in America are so unhappy with America, they should go someplace else. I mean, they basically were saying they should go to Russia. And, and so it, it was, uh, it was political. Yeah. It was political and it was really a, 
a great experience to be involved in something like that. Yeah. Okay, so who presented the Oscar to you? <laughs> uh, ba, ba, ba. Um, <laughs> Oprah Winfrey. <laughs> what? Really? The then barely known Oprah Winfrey. Yeah. And so... Had she done the color purple yet? Yes. That was, okay. She'd been, yeah. she'd been nominated for the color purple. And so that's yep. it was the next year. Gotcha. And so at any rate, so oh my gosh. I know. So she and I <laughs> so back when you're back, you go backstage afterwards and um they interview. And so I was standing with Oprah and Lee Grant had directed it. And of course, she was a movie star. And so they wanted to interview her, and I was standing with with uh, Oprah, and I said, "Have you noticed nobody's really interested in us?" And we both just died laughing. <laughs> About that time, my agent Kevin Eubane, who was one of the Young Turks, has started CAA. He is now, to this day, he suddenly years later is one of the most powerful agents in Hollywood, but. At the time, he said, why don't you come out to Hollywood? I'll take care of you. And so um, he he was instrumental on some projects. But the biggest thing he would eventually do for me is I emailed him and said, the reason I'm calling you is I've written a book. And so uh, he always took my call. And he said, do you have an agent? And I said, no. And he said, I'll set you up with a literary department in New York. And so you know so for an acting book i had you know the, an agent so that was really good um anyway stella adler had opened a school in los angeles and she said to me i i would sit in on her classes and she said i, I she said she wanted me to talk to her to come over to her house and it was a house I rented for her for six weeks when she was giving master classes and she said what do you want what are you going to do while you're waiting for your producing career to take off and i said i haven't actually thought that far and she said i want you to teach for me and stella adler was a very commanding personality so it wasn't like it was a discussion <laughs> <laughs> i want you to teach for me was you are going to teach for me I'm not sure I wanted to act. I, th I think after five years in class with Stella, and I always tell my students I was in class for five years because I'm slow. <laughs> <laughs> but why did she want you to teach? Come on. You obviously, so it you obviously, yeah. obviously knew I had that knack. Yeah. She'd watched me work with a couple of actors. Mm -hmm. In fact, when she said... I uh, I want. She said, "What do you when she's when she, uh, part of her co conversation with what do you plan to do?" And she said, "What do you enjoy doing?" And I said, "Well, I really enjoy working with actors." And she said, "I know you do," and th and and that was really it. And I just loved it. I didn't even know I could teach. At the time, I had become roommates with Grant, and he'd been cast in. A production of the play of On the Waterfront. He's younger than you, though, yes, right? Yes, much younger. 
Okay. And okay. So, but I'm like, is this the same Grant show? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's much. Younger. Okay. But so, but it, it, so he said, "Well, you helped me." And then Kira Sedgwick had been in an after-school special that I was a producer on, and I started helping her on auditions. And and so suddenly, I, it, it was like by accident, I realized that not only did I have a knack for it, and I think you have to have a knack, um, I, I, I was able to pull together this information that I had learned from Stella, learned from being in class, and and pass it on. And I, man, I got to tell you something. I I'm so relieved I can do this because not only did did producing movies become not fun anymore, um, just the whole idea that um, I'm working with actors it's it's like and, and they tell me of course they're my students so they would tell me they assure me i'm the youngest 75 year old they've ever met but <laughs> but it's because of them absolutely i mean it's like my students keep me young and engaged and and, and i mean that's the thing it's it's like when i first started teaching i called my friend jack hefner who'd written vanities which which I had produced. It, it became the longest running play in uh, off Broadway history, and uh, and I called Jack and I said, "So tell me about teaching," and he said, "Well, it's a little bit like doing stand up comedy." Yep. And I said, <laughs> "What do you mean?" And he said, "Well, bingo. <laughs> if it doesn't work, you have to change the topic." And it was so interesting. I never could figure out, first of all, it took me 20 years to write the book, but uh, but I never could figure out how do I do this? How do I pass on what I've learned? Because, I mean, she was an important teacher. And, and what she said, she's the only teacher in the West that studied with Stanislavski. Right. So, I mean, it's like she learned from him. And it was massive what she learned. When she came back from her time with Stanislavski, she changed acting in America because of what she learned from him. So it's like, and nobody is really, her books are not that, uh, they're fine, but they're not that accessible. And I kept thinking, I need to do something. I need to do something. Yeah, because you can pass on that tradition. Exactly. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, there was something called a podcast. And interestingly enough, another student of mine, uh, Chris Carmack, who's on um, Grey's Anatomy now, he was on Nashville and he was on the OC. And Chris said to me a couple of years, he, but well, good God, I have a hundred episodes. So it must have been more than two years ago. And he said, there are no, there are no podcasts about acting. There are people talking about how to get a career, but not about acting. And I said, oh, that's so interesting. So your podcast, so I was already doing the teacher's actor because I, you know, had had the background in acting. So, you know, and I'm like, I'm going to do some research and see what else is out there about the teacher's actor. And I just, I fell upon um, this woman, Jane Cox, who was in one of my episodes. And then I fell upon your 
podcast. I'm like, I'm just going to put in acting into the podcast search. And yours was, it must be popular because it was like, bam. Yeah, that's um, new. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and I started listening and I'm like, yep, that's teaching. Yep, that's teach. Like every episode, I'm like, yep, 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 yep. So it, it, I, I'm like, I have to reach out and see if he'll be on. <laughs> so I was so happy that you said yes. Walker, who uh, is a genius, I can't do what you do. I can't edit me, <laughs> and so, but he was sitting at my house one day, and he was looking at a draft of my book. And he said, this needs to be a podcast. And I said, Walker, of what? I mean, you are joking. I said, what the hell do I know about a podcast? And he said, no, 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 no. Trust me. I'll, you know, I know how to do this. And so he sat with me. And so he brought over this whole sort of thing and put it up in my living room. I had a microphone and the thing. And so then he sat there and he said, just summarize a chapter. So I, and then he'd stop me and said, no, it sounds like you're reading. Stop reading. Just talk. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Was, everybody, everybody, you, you got to listen to these episodes. They're great. And they, again, they will inform your teaching. They will. Yeah. Well, here's the thing that happened eventually. So about the third one, my roommate and one of my students were just sitting and listening to me. And the fact that I was talking to somebody made a difference. And then time went on. And of course, the early episodes say, based on my soon-to-be-published book, I Don't Need an Acting Class, which was a total lie. Nobody had bought this. And so <laughs> then all of a sudden, Armageddon hit. And all of a sudden, I couldn't teach in a room. And it took me a while to discover Zoom. Uh, I, I had iPads, iPhones, my computer all in my living room. I mean, it was just a, and then, and then all of a sudden I was giving classes over Zoom and that's when we restarted to recording the classes. And so it, the, having students made, you know, air quotes, lecturing about acting workable because yeah. they were telling me how to teach the class. Can you talk more about what is your process and is it similar to acting? It's been very, very unusual because I've never had the opportunity to have students for such a long period of time. I mean, normally I would teach someplace and it would be 15 weeks, uh, one semester at Yale, and then they were on somebody else. And so I I, I would develop relationships with the students uh, and because I'm I'm seemingly accessible. So nobody has a problem getting in touch with me and saying, Can you help me with this? And so and because I have no life, that's what I do. <laughs> and, and so um, this so, is your life. <laughs> yeah, oh totally. Yeah. So then suddenly I had people for a long period of time. I mean, I've had some people, I, I finally added some more people in class. I refused to for about a year. And then the podcast has sort of caught on. Yeah. And so then 
I said, all right, I will have a script analysis class, which is a text analysis class, which is one of the biggest issues is that actors don't know how to approach text. That was one of my other questions. Yep. So that became the one class. And then the people in that class said, would you mind teaching a technique class? And I said, oh, all right, fine. So every other Saturday we'll meet for three hours. So, okay. The preparation to teach a script analysis class has to be different from the preparation. It is right? totally yeah. different. So when you're, when you're, are you pulling scripts for people to, to try during those other ones? No, I, I, I work on one, one script at a time. Okay. I mean, we're at the moment we're working on death of a salesman and I changed the whole system about three or four months ago because it was too frustrating for me to go through one script a month. And so I just said, look, here's the way it is, kids. We're having class. We'll have technique classes for two hours on Monday night, two hours on Thursday night, Wednesday night is script analysis. And periodically, if we're in the mood, we'll get together on a Saturday. So first, they didn't have technique until they demanded that I teach a technique class. So they, they were doing script analysis. And so then what happened, it kind of came out of that, which was, well, yeah. yes, now that I understand this, how do I do it? Yeah. And so then I had to talk about technique. So <laughs> I really do find that the students tell me without saying it, what they need to be taught and it it's based on their comments about what we're working on and so when i suddenly realize that they have no relationship to let's say death of a salesman and what it, life was like after world war ii in america they have no relationship with it and so as a result they don't know how to build it and so uh, the joke in my class is, uh, well, we've been working for two hours and we got to the first line of dialogue. Yeah. Like Willie Loman's first line in the play is he comes in with his bags and sets them down and he says, oh, boy, oh, boy. Well, the thing about it is I then have to say to them, what is going on with him when he comes in? And now I have to have the technique to build what is going on with him so that I walk on with the past. So now I can talk about how do you build the past? Right. I have one student who is older, uh, very, very successful in business. And about three years ago, he said, all right, I've made a lot of money. Now I'm going to do what I, I'm going to go back and, you know, learn how to act something i did years ago and i want to go back so he's painstakingly gone through it but i always it's very interesting i have uh, a couple of private classes a week with him and we'll start to talk and he's also in the class and we'll start to talk about it and and, and then i have these notes that i i, I have a note called that i wrote down while i was working with him called something you saw during the week because I and this is because I'm I I think the actors 
have lost a sense of what is exciting. Uh, uh, they make dull choices. They make, if they're building a past, they build a boring past. What they've seen on TV and film. Absolutely. And I I said that, okay, so this is perfect. So all of a sudden, I'm looking at these pictures of all these guys uh, trying to leave Russia. And there's a line of cars. And I said, so here's what I want you to do. And I said, there's a lot of research. There's a lot of things you can grab. I said, so this is, you're a guy. And you're escaping Russia, your homeland, because you don't want to be drafted. And so then I said to them, I want you build this. Let's look at what you build. And I said, and it's like a one-minute monologue. Just talk out what's going on with him. Well, my God, you would have thought I asked them to do King Lear, Lost. And everybody is doing exactly what you said. Everybody is coming up with a plot that sounds like a bad TV plot. And so. Instead of like feeling, instead of just feeling it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and also looking at, you know, the elements are are theirs. What, What Stella learned from Stanislavski and brought back was the concept of the given circumstances of the play. One of her fights was with Lee Strasberg. Lee Strasberg said everything was emotional. And Stella said, forget that. That's not it. What Stanislavski told her was, there are given circumstances of the play. The given circumstances of the play include, among other things, the the character, where the character is, where, uh, what time pl- frame they're in, in this particular case, what country they're in, what the social circumstance is. And all of these things begin to figure out, so now how does my dude or how does my dudette live in these circumstances? But I have to know the circumstances. And I have to take these facts and turn them into an experience. And uh, that's the big that's the big thing that keeps acting from being reporting. It's the experience of everything. What I'm finding, like I'm watching a lot of YouTube videos where some actors are saying, "I prepare, I write the, I write everything out," you know. And then it's, I I read your, I'm like, oh writing it out is making it too analytical it's taking it yeah it's making yeah it's all the work and by the way i made all these mistakes i keep saying to my students the reason i'm so good at this is because i failed so miserably so many times i said my problem with writing it out i said i didn't even know that was the issue my problem with writing it out was for some some reason I thought, well, I think I'm so pretentious. I thought someday somebody's going to find my notebook. They're going to find my notebook on playing Michael and Boys in the Band in East Hampton. And they're going to publish the notebooks of Milton Justice. And as he was doing summer stock in the summer of 1979. And so, I mean, that was it. How could you write anything from an actor's point of view when you were trying to sound very literary? Yeah. And also a lot of the actors that said they don't do that and they just they just they just talk it out, which which you've talked, obviously talk about, is that 
once like sometimes I don't know what it is in your our brains, but when it's written, it's like boop, and then and then you're you're stuck there, you know. And if you have a director say try it a different way, and you're like, but this is the yeah. And I also find when you talk it out, which I love, you surprise yourself. You kind of go, oh, where did that come? And the truth is, uh, this is what I find to be true about teaching. The reason teaching to me is like acting is because I don't know where some of the things I say come from. Periodically, shockingly, periodically, I say something brilliant. <laughs> and and so when I say something brilliant, I, oh, I, I'm aware of it. And I always look and I said, it's Stella. She's flying around and she felt sorry for me. And she said, he's trying so hard. I'm going to give him something intelligent to say. Even my teaching is the acting process of talking it out. I mean, I will write notes. I mean, I've been doing it for so long. I'll write a note, things I want to, that I want to cover in class tomorrow. But as uh, I was having an, I, I had an actor who was having terrible time being spontaneous. And so, and I was working, working, working. This was only last week. And I was working and I said to him, think of your improvisational work as you have an outline. And he said, oh, that's good. I said, you're not deciding everything in advance, but you have an outline so you know where you're going. Yeah, and that's teaching. I mean, that's teaching. Exactly. But it's it's planned tight, but hang loose. Oh, oh my God. Totally. These are notes. I, I was once asked to give a I was once asked to get give a symposium. They knew I was going to New Zealand to see my brother. And so they said, while you're here, would you give a class? A weekend symposium, and I said, a weekend symposium of working with actors for film directors. And I thought, do they re really think anybody's going to come? It was jammed. My my dear, dear departed friend, Marge Loja, had a house in East Hampton. And so she, it's just like we all moved to Marge's house for the summer. She had a 12-bedroom house. And, and so, and every afternoon, I would sit with research and books, and I would do these notes, which eventually I typed out. And everybody kept saying, what the, why are you spending all this time? And so I, I said, well, no, I've never taught this class before, and it's a group of professionals, so I really want to. I never looked at one. <laughs> it was just to build your confidence, really, right? Uh, who knows? But what I do find is true, and I think this is the scary thing about teaching, you have to trust what you know and that you can access it. And you don't know where it's coming from. I, 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 am, I am amazed. Letting go in, just letting go into what I'm talking about it takes care of itself because I do know a lot. I mean, I hope so. So, oh, but it's like, and, and if I try to organize it too much, as you, and you're absolutely right, if I outline it, sometimes I, 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 I'll think about what happened in class and I'll think about Errol's problem. And so Errol's problem is he's pushing an emotion that's not there. 
He has decided in advance how to play something. And so now he's going to push this, but he hasn't earned it. And so it, it, and so, so now I'm sitting there and I'm thinking as I'm drifting off to sleep, unfortunately, you know, I need to give them something to work on so they can build more slowly and more honestly. And I, I really am, I, I, I was like, I don't know why, but I was a walking sort of knowledge base of things Stella said. In fact, when I first started teaching and I went back over notebooks from her class, I realized I took notes like somebody who would one day teach it. Not like an actor. Actors take notes like, oh, good, that works for me. But I really took notes like somebody who was going to teach this. And so as a result, it's like I talk about Stella Adler bumper stickers. It's like I've got so many of them that I just remembered. Um, you know, and one of them was I can believe this much today. And as far as I was concerned, when she said that, it took me off the hook. I didn't have to do the whole performance. I didn't have to build everything. I could I could build what I believe. Oh, that's a nice that's a nice metaphor to you know, students trying to learn, right? Today, I'm not going to teach everything about equivalent fractions. Today, I'm going to explain this little piece and then I'm going to yeah. see if they're getting it and then I'm going to, yeah. Yeah, and so that was it. I I'm, I can believe this much today. Mm -hmm. And so then you incrementally, when you're working on a part, you can build it. If you're working on Arthur Miller's All My Sons and you're playing Chris, you say, all right, I today I can believe that my father runs a company. I'm not going to, I can't, I, I can't believe all the facts of this play. You know, he was arrested because 21 planes went down and he was blamed for it. And then his, bar, his partner went to jail and I'm and my brother's been dead in the uh, uh, for three years, and my mother won't accept it. If you look at the facts of this play, you would say you, I can never. Well, what I can really do, and then I develop the ability to know. All right, my mother refuses to believe that my brother is dead, even though it's been three years since the war was over, and he hasn't come back. So I know in the back of my mind, okay, that's a biggie. Are you against, and I think this is Strasbourg, are you against the, well, I've had that kind of pain in my life, like jumping into memories? I think it's insane. Yeah. I I, I think that's what drives actors to go crazy. Absolute insanity. And it's the reason they make these stupid comments. Of like the, I mean, it's like the poor guy that's on succession. He spends his days alone. I mean, who wants to put themselves through that? And he's not that good. I mean, it's just insane. It's totally, totally insane. And so, I mean, it is a lack of technique. And certainly it's bad training. Uh, late 1800s actor called Coquelin, who always built a character as if that's another person over there. And he would build the character as another person. And then at some point, step into him. Holland Taylor, who also studied with Stella. Oh, I love her. Yes. And so Holland and I were talking about it. And she said, yes, it's like you go into a phone booth 
which is probably a Superman reference. And you, it's like the character is in the phone booth and you go into the phone booth. And then at the end of the day, you step out of the phone booth. And then I said, yes. And then you don't go home and kick the dog. And we laugh. I think another thing that happened uh, in the pandemic is because no one was auditioning and nothing was going on. I had actors who were not in class thinking about the audition I have on Wednesday. And how can I use this? So they were actually learning acting for acting's sake. And that really makes a huge difference. You could just feel that they were trying not to learn a concept, but learn a concept in service of. And it's different when I coach somebody. I mean, when I coach somebody, I am not teaching them acting. I am making up choices for them. I am giving them choices. I am focusing them in a direction that is a direction based on I've been doing this for 50 years. Okay, teaching, coaching. I love this because I just I just published an episode with a youth runner. He's 11 years old and he is killing it with Junior Olympics and stuff. And and he talked about his coach. And it's really, it, I, what you just said is fascinating. The coach actually says, this is what I think you should do in this moment of the race or in this moment of the scene. Totally different. Teaching versus coaching. Yep. I mean, the truth of the matter is we do honestly want, if we're healthy teachers, want our students not to need us. What are you zooming in on right now in your work? Zooming in. I still think I can understand acting. And, you know, really, I know you can't, but I still keep thinking I'm going to sort out what these, what it is. So it, it, it's, it's, so I, I think I'm always constantly trying to figure out how do I deal with Errol's problem? How do I have help Kara Hope? My students' problems kind of linger with me. Stella's second husband was a brilliant man called Harold Clorman. Okay, so Harold Clorman wrote this about directors, but I think it applies to teaching. He says it is a job, a craft, a profession, and at best, an art. The director must be an organizer, a teacher, a politician, a psychic detective, <laughs> a lay analyst, a technician, a creative being. Ideally, he should know literature, acting, the psychology of the actor, the visual arts, music, history, and above all, he must understand people. He must inspire confidence all of which means he must be a great lover. I think it's all in that. For my blog, transcripts of this episode, and links to any resources mentioned, visit my website at www.theteacheras.com. You can reach me on Twitter and Instagram at Melissa B. Milner. And I hope you check out the Teacher As Facebook page for episode updates. Thanks for listening. And that's a wrap.